this last fall, um, my wife Taylor and I, we kind of had a tough season um, with some things going on in our life, one of which was just the season of like unbelievable car troubles. So I've sat with some of you and talked about it and it's just like, that is ridiculous. Her car was in the shop with some serious repairs. My car had some serious engine failure to the point that the car was considered totaled. Um, and so we, obviously, Nashville doesn't have a lot in the way of public transportation. You kind of need cars to live life in this city. And so we started looking for solutions to this, to this problem. You know, how much could I trade my car in for? Not much, almost nothing, actually. Uh, laughable amount of money. Can we afford a new car payment? Not really. What are the used car options out there like? The answer is still, still out of budget. And so we had no solutions to this problem for ourselves. And so, you know, we were just praying through this season. I was praying like, God, what do you have for us? Like, I need your help. And every time that I sat in prayer with this particular issue before God, I just continued to get this sense of just wait. And that was it. And so we did. For months, Taylor and I borrowed cars from any family member or friend who would let us borrow a car for however long. And we waited. And then one day, Taylor was over at her grandparents' house, just shooting the breeze, chit-chatting, hanging out with grandparents like you do. And um, her grandparents were like, well, you can just take, take one of our cars. And we didn't really know like how serious they were. We weren't sure. And so we kind of like brushed it off and kept going. And then a couple weeks later, they like, they offered it again. And so we, we took the offer. Taylor went with her granddad and he signed it over. And this car is nothing, nothing really fancy, all right? It's a 15-year-old Lincoln Town car that's been sideswiped on the passenger side and has a broken side view mirror over there but it runs well, and it gets me to work and back. It's a great car. And I think in this season, no, I don't think, I know, in this season, God was teaching Taylor and I how to trust and listen. And that is what we're focusing in on today. So we're gonna continue in Psalm 23 and just kind of camping out in this well-known Psalm of David. And the goal of the next few weeks is to just draw near to God and allow God to minister to our church family. James chapter four says, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And that's the goal, drawing near to God, learning his voice and allowing him to minister to you all, our church family. And we're in week two of this series, which of the good shepherd is kind of what we're calling it, where we're moving slowly 
through Psalm 23. And last week, we spent some time looking at verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And Josh talked about the sheep and the shepherd and this relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. What role does the shepherd play? What role do the sheep play in that relational dynamic that's established in verse one? And then in verse two, David, the author of this psalm, begins setting the scene, painting a picture of the landscape that we are in in Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It's this metaphor for life following God, following the good shepherd. Psalm 23, it's, it's poetry, right? So it's this literary style that's jam-packed with vivid imagery and metaphor. So the things that we're reading are not literally what the words are speaking to something different, right? So the sheep and the shepherd is a metaphor for God and us and our relationship. And here in verse two, this scene of green pastures and still waters is speaking to something else entirely. Speaking to this journey of life following the good shepherd, the pastures are the surroundings, the land in which we find ourselves, our life circumstances of everyday life. And the grass is the provision of God, of his sheep and those who listen. So if you close your eyes and I read this verse over you, you probably imagine something like this picture here, right? What comes to mind for most of us some farmland here in the American South. Rolling green hills, lush green fields with a babbling brook kind of cutting through the low part of this scene. Well, I'm gonna burst some bubbles this morning. That's not David's picture when he pens this passage. The place of the shepherd in Israel is not the farmland. Farmland is far too precious and far too valuable to let sheep graze on. The place of the shepherd in Israel is the desert, the midbar in Hebrew, the wilderness. This picture here is a picture of a place called the Negev Desert in Israel. And no joke, Another name for this place right here is green pastures. These are the green pastures likely that David was thinking about as he wrote Psalm 23. No joke. So this place is where shepherds in Israel have grazed their flocks since biblical times. Does this look like your idea of green pastures? No, no. But there are, if you look, these little tufts of grass that grow here. There's just enough rainfall in the rainy season. There's humidity in the air that comes in the breeze off of the Mediterranean Sea, and that moisture in the air condenses on the rocks and trickles down, provides just enough moisture for little tufts of grass like that one there. So this is a bit different 
than what we think of when we hear the words green pastures. It can be a little difficult for us to really grasp this, but lush green fields are not the image of Psalm 23. And so this changes the image of the psalm, and since it's poetry and this is a metaphor, it therefore changes the implication of it as well. If Psalm 23 is a picture of life with God, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep, the landscape we're in is life, and grass is provision, this has a big impact on our expectations when we read this passage. It's no surprise to me that we, in our context, like so easily, and I don't think anyone in this room is completely free of it, we so easily gravitate towards what has been coined as a prosperity gospel. We expect lush green fields of overabundance and the easy or the good life when we walk with God. We expect hakuna matata, right? No worries for the rest of our days. All of our needs, all of our desires even fulfilled. We expect our idea of an overabundant life. We imagine God giving us everything we need for the rest of the life, our life and we don't have to move an inch because we're in lush green fields. But that's not what this passage is saying, is it? There's this teacher whose name is Ray Vanderlaan. And he, I was watching a video of him this week that Josh actually sent our teaching team. And he has this quote in this video. He says, in the desert, you learn the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. 10 minutes from now, you trust the shepherd. And then he goes on to quote this rabbinic teaching or this rabbinic saying that worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. Worry is saying, God, we, I know a better way. God, I know where there's a pasture with a bit more grass than the one you're leading me through, so I'm gonna go over there. We wander off for lack of trust in the shepherd's provision. Worry is the belief that there is not enough for us to survive on what God has provided. But in the desert, we learn to trust the shepherd because the desert is the land of just enough. Josh read us uh, the Lord's Prayer earlier, and that's kind of what we sat with beginning this, uh, our, this worship time together this morning. And in that prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, not a storehouse of bread where I'll be satisfied and content for the rest of my life, but he teaches his disciples to every day pray for that day's bread. 
The theme of daily bread is one that kind of is all throughout the scriptures and traces all the way back to the stories of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the, like some of the first books in the Bible to what most people call the wilderness generation. The people of Israel wandering out in the desert, following the spirit of God. And while they were out there, God provided for them literally daily this substance called manna. I don't know what that looked like or what it was, but they went out there in the morning and there was the stuff that they gathered that they made bread with. And you could not keep that manna overnight to make bread the next day. Overnight, it would become moldy and maggot infested. And so the people of Israel had to learn each day to depend on God for their daily bread. God was shepherding his people in the wilderness, teaching them to trust in his daily provision. The good shepherd was leading his sheep. In God's sheep, we, ha- we have to learn to trust him, even when it looks like there's not enough. Even when we don't see where the next little tuft of grass is, we have to trust that he will lead us there. But here's the problem. We do not trust God. We don't. I don't know know if it's human nature or culture. I really think it's a little bit of both. Human nature exacerbated by our culture that we default do not trust God to provide for us. We want to go out and figure out our own green pastures. But trust is the key ingredient of relationship. Have you ever tried to be in relationship with someone that you don't trust or someone that doesn't trust you? Does it work? No, it doesn't, it just, it doesn't work because trust is necessary for relationship. And so why would we expect a relationship with our heavenly father to operate any differently? That we need to trust, there's this level of trust that has to exist for intimacy to exist, for deep relationship to exist. And because we don't trust, we miss the second part of verse two. That he leads us to still waters. He leads us to true peace, to true rest, to true joy. He leads us to still waters. And when we wander off to go find better fields, we end up getting ourselves into trouble, right? We end up falling into a pit or getting snagged in snares of thorns or in the thicket of worry. We end up gorging ourselves and over-consuming our own provision and to the point of vomiting it up. But when we follow the good shepherd, he leads us to still waters 
And that's still, we're still in the desert. That's not a picture of excessive overabundance. It's not a flowing stream through the desert. No, it's probably more accustomed to just a muddy pool of water at the bottom of a wadi. But when we follow the good shepherd, he leads us to these still waters. A picture of peace and refreshment in the midst of the heat of the desert. Since uh, Taylor and I's car troubles have resolved, <clears throat> people have asked us, you know, like, how are you guys doing? You know, the normal life stuff. And Taylor and I, for months, are, we've just kind of been like, we're, we're good. Like, we're really at peace. And, you know, we kind of attributed it a little bit to, like, the contrast of those several months of that struggle to now that things are resolved. But I think this quiet still season, as I was thinking this week, it's more than just the contrast. Because if Taylor and I had decided to not wait and to take on a car payment, we would be far more stressed and stretched and worried right now. But having followed the good shepherd, I think that has afforded us some level of this peace that we have been able to sit in. And this doesn't apply solely to physical provision. I could just as easily sit here and tell you a story about a two-year journey of myself being led from one place to where I am now. That I use this language of like, I feel like I'm on this trail and I can only see the next bend or to put it in the desert, I can only see the next tuft of grass ahead. Over the last week, I have had several conversations about Jesus's words in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, where Jesus talking to the crowds, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would lose or whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What Jesus is saying that if we grasp too tightly onto our own life, to our own way, to our own means, to our own strength, if we spend our time holding on so tightly to our own life, we will never experience the freedom of open hands. We will never be led to still waters if we do not trust and follow the Good Shepherd. Through this teaching series, we're, we're kind of doing a little bit of teaching like this, and then we're kind of just like putting it on God to do the rest. And if you were here last week, you know, we did a time of prayer, and we're going to step into that again this week as well. So we're, I'm going to lead us through a time of guided prayer. And as we get ready for that, I want to invite you guys, like, it's spring break. We've got some extra room in here compared to normal. If you want to spread out, spread out, make yourself comfortable. If you want to sit on the floor, sit on the floor. If you want to lean against the wall, lean against the wall. But go ahead, like right now, go ahead and make yourselves comfortable as we prepare to step in to some time of prayer together. There's freedom. 
Don't get too comfortable to where you're going to fall asleep because we've got a little bit to go. Comfortable enough. Once you kind of get settled, just <laughs> relax your shoulders, relieve, relieve the tension in your body. Assume an open posture and just take a deep breath as we step in. Might be helpful to close your eyes. We'll be using our imagination a lot through this. Also helps with distraction. And I want you in your mind to just picture yourself in this landscape. Among the rocks, among the mountains of the desert, among the flock of sheep, the good shepherd is there. And scattered all around are little tufts of green grass. Just paint that picture in your mind. As you observe that picture, I want you to take note, where, where is the good shepherd in relationship to you and the flock? And where are you amongst the flock? Are you on the outskirts? Are you in the middle? Are you near to the shepherd? Are you far? These are the words of Jesus out of John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. My sheep follow me for they know my voice.
James 4. If we draw near to the Lord, he draws near to us. So wherever you are in relationship to the shepherd, know that it is safe to draw near to the good shepherd. That he desires you to draw near and move closer. And so, you know, if you are distant, draw near. If you, are, if you have to push through the flock to get up next to the good shepherd, do that. Wherever you are, draw near to him. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. you get distracted, don't worry. Just keep leaning in. Just come back to the shepherd. And ask yourself, do you believe that you lack nothing?
and ask the good shepherd whatever answer you came up with, just ask him why or why not do you believe that you lack nothing? Ask that he would reveal to you why you believe what you believe. And then ask the good shepherd to show you where you are prone to believe that he doesn't have enough for you. Keep leaning in. Keep pursuing the good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And draw near to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, will you show me any times or any ways that I choose to stand on my own accord and search for my own green pastures?
and ask him, Jesus, have I wandered off for lack of trusting you? And then I invite you to tell the good shepherd that you renounce the lie, that you can lead yourself, or that there's not enough provision where he has led you. And then whatever might have come to mind of your picture of a more ideal pasture or your idea of enough, I take that, hand it over and release it to the good shepherd. And ask him to take that from you. And then tell, tell the good shepherd that you trust that he will lead you in green pastures.
And then in your own words, just ask him, say, Jesus, will you teach me how to trust your provision for right now? And to trust that you will provide enough. He leads me beside still waters. Jesus, will you show me what it looks like when I follow you with full confidence and trust? And then to end, I just invite you to just sit in the presence of the Good Shepherd and thank Him for being exactly that, a Good Shepherd. For the next uh, couple of minutes, if you have a pen and paper or a journal, I invite you to pull that out and just write down any thoughts, reflections, or anything that came to mind during that time for the next couple of minutes, or grab your phone, pull, open up notes on your phone, and 
just reflect on your prayer time. All right, now we're going to bring back what we did last week that we used to do a lot in the past, and I'm going to invite you guys to circle up in groups of three to four, and if you're willing to just share, if you, something came to mind that encouraged you, if you feel like you learned something, if you feel like the Lord spoke to you, um, just if something popped into your imagination, just share that. Uh, the invitation is to simply share. And even if it seems maybe small or insignificant, like God could be using you to minister to someone in your group. So we invite you to just share because um, he might be using you to minister uh, to someone. Just be faithful and lean in. You obviously don't have to, and you can just sit and listen to other people. But go ahead and circle up in groups of three or four and share for the next four minutes or so, and then I'll call us back up to the front to end out our time together. All right, I'm going to go ahead and interrupt your conversations, pull you guys back up to the front. Thank you guys for really just like leaning in and being willing to go there, both in our time of prayer and sharing. Um, It makes it, what makes it special is when we draw near to God and I believe that he answers. And so um, I wanna just open it up, like two or three people, let's go three or four maybe, people want to share maybe something that was in, someone shared in your group that encouraged you or if you, something from the prayer time, just, you know, more, a bigger version of what we just did. Josh, what else? Yeah.
fearlessly leaning against the Lord and like touching in and rubbing up and scratching his cheek, rubbing up against him, like won't let him get an inch away. And I see that like that's where I want to be, and that's where I need to be, and that's where the Lord wants me. But for some reason, you know, I'm 25 feet away, so it's like identifying what is my cross that I need to take up to get there. Like, what does that look like? That's kind of what I'm chewing on. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, just seeing, you know, where you want to be, drawing, drawing near to the Lord. And that's, if, if that's where most people were at in this, amazing. Um, I love that. That's the whole point here is just drawing near to the Lord. Maybe two more. Yeah, there's true, just like freedom in that release. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we can go ahead and pass out communion. Um, I think everyone on the inside aisles, I know all you guys, you know what to do with that. And pass that around. And I'm going to read a scripture over us as you guys are passing that out. Um, here, Clay, let me grab one real quick. Thanks. So these are. Uh, Again, some words of Jesus from John chapter 10. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out, in and out, and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So this, what we do, we take communion in remembrance of Christ. The bread, a symbol of his body, broken for us, creating a way of salvation, but bread, also a symbol of provision. And the juice, a symbol of his blood, shed for us, his life laid down for his sheep. So I just invite you as we step into worship to take communion together as we enter our closing worship.